And uh, let's wait for five minutes. Uh, not all members are present. Good morning, Chair. Good morning. How are you, Honorable Good morning to you, Chair. Very well, thanks. I'm just pleased that our WIPS meeting has been postponed. So thank you. I'll be oh, joining you this morning. Thank you. Okay. So you'll be with us for the whole day? As long as I can. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. That's good. Thank you very much. So the programming committee that we sit tomorrow. Uh, it will be sitting tomorrow as well. Uh, mm -hmm. It will be sitting, yeah, but not the WIPs forum. To, as, as presently advised, um, we are sitting tomorrow, but I will let you know about that as well. Okay, well, that's good. Now it's half past nine. Uh, good morning to everybody on the virtual platform and those who are watching us from home. We are all welcome. Uh, we are continuing with the report uh, of the department on the cannabis bill. We started uh, yesterday uh, to receive these responses from the department. Uh, Mr. Robert Sill will be leading us on the responses from the department. Uh, Mr. Robert Sill, over to you. Or is it before we proceed? Are there any apologies? Committee Secretary? Chef, from, from my side, it is still Ms. Ramulubi. Okay. Okay, so we only have one apology. Uh, thank you very much. Let's proceed. Thank you, Mr. Chairperson. Uh, we're currently still busy with um, Clause 5 of the bill, in which deals with smoking and consumption offences. Uh, I'm also through the discussion of the comment and responses there on. I'm going to resume from page 58 and the paragraph 6.12. Uh, and there is a comment to the effect that, uh, firstly, 
Um, the bill doesn't consider the current um, reality in South Africa regarding households. This will be a private place where cannabis can be used. And it's pointed out that in most neighborhoods, uh, there's very limited space. And if you use cannabis in your backyard, the neighbor will probably um, smell your smoke. It will at least go to his house. And um, it's proposed that uh, we need to align um, the bill with the standards applied to tobacco. And um, I already previously indicated yesterday that the bill has got a stringent, more stringent requirement than tobacco legislation. However, um, if you deal with um, the regulations that may be made, we will obviously look at the Tobacco Control Act regulations um, and line our regulations there with. In paragraph 6.13, um, there is a comment to the effect that uh, the bill doesn't have the same strict regulatory control measures as that that applies to tobacco and alcohol in South Africa. And um, they refer, among others, to uh, amendments to the Liquor Act, which actually raised the age, and I did indicate previously uh, that bill was never passed. Um, and also the tobacco control legislation to deal with second and smoke, um, where there are certain smoke-free spaces. And um, also referred to the current tobacco control regulations, uh, where there must be marking, packaging, uh, and the advertisement of uh, tobacco is prohibited. Um, insofar as it deals with uh, the stringent controls, uh, firstly, um, I already indicated yesterday that the bill which increased the drinking age to 21 years, I don't think it was ever passed. Um, dealing with tobacco control legislation regarding second and smoke, already indicated yesterday, uh, the bill has got more extensive uh, control regulations in place to limit the use of cannabis to a private place. They already deal with uh, so-called smoke-free spaces. And obviously that cannot be accommodated in terms of the bill due to the fact that uh, it in general prohibits the use of cannabis in a private place. And um, the bill cannot follow the same harm reduction measures as that applied to amongst others, tobacco, due to the fact that there's no commercialization. So you cannot sell it and have certain uh, warning labels on packages. If you sell it, you commit an offense. Um, going further to the other... But, uh, but Mr. Roberts, what happens when you now have, let's say you have the... Uh, the strategy from the Department of Trade and Industry in place, and there is massive commercialization. What would happen then? Um, Mr. Chairperson, if there is uh, commercialization of cannabis, uh, I believe that the legislation that regulates it um, for commercial purposes must further regulate this aspect. Um, if there's no such legislation, the bill will be applicable. 
if there's other legislation, I hope that they do amend some of the provisions um, of uh, the proposed bill uh, to bring it in line with commercialization. Obviously, I must point out, this may be regarded firstly as a kind of interim measure in the finalization of other legislation. Okay. Uh, okay. Thank you. Mr. Roberts, you can proceed. Sorry, Mr. Jefferson, I believe I got kicked off. In paragraph 6.14, it's again a referral um, to um, the Rastafarians that may have, or rather have um, a kind of right to consume and use cannabis in a public place. Um, our submission is again, no, that will be against the Prince's judgment. I did indicate previously that we can probably consider a religious or cultural exemption uh, in respect of certain communities. Uh, paragraph 7 of the comments and responses mainly deal with uh, the offences involving a child and um, that is contained in clause 6 of the bill. Uh, the first comment is that uh, the clause is fully supported uh, namely the strict prohibitions against uh, the availability of cannabis to children or giving cannabis to a children or use of children to deal with cannabis. Um, there is a remark that um, in paragraph 7.2 that the bill does not go far enough to deal with persons under the age of 25. It was indicated yesterday in the comments of uh, the professors uh, that um, the reality of cannabis is that it actually do affect brain development uh, up to the age of 25 years. And um, I think what they indicated is that we should probably look at an increased um, age limit to allow legal use of cannabis. I also did point out yesterday that uh, if you look at all the American states, there's already an age restriction of 21 years. And um, other jurisdictions mostly set the age of 18 years. And in South Africa, 18 years to apply to alcohol and tobacco use. So the bill follow the current situation in South Africa, namely to restrict certain conduct to persons up to the age of 18 years only. Uh, in paragraph 7.3, uh, this comment to the effect that uh, we need to clarify um, clause 6.1 of the bill, uh, which provides that a guardian or a child who permits a child to possess or deal in cannabis or 
cannabis plants or to smoke and consume cannabis is few different things. And um, the question is asked, um, what if a parent doesn't know about the fact that these child smoker possess cannabis? And our response there too is that the word that is used in the context of clause 61 is permits. And uh, the meaning is to allow or tolerate the conduct in subclause 61. Obviously, where the parent does not have knowledge of what a child does, uh, it's my submission you cannot hold it responsible. We cannot provide for situations like that. Uh, in paragraph 7.3b, uh, it's referred to the fact that where the adult is convicted of certain offences against the child, uh, the child is in risk, and social support services need to intervene to ensure the well-being of the child. This is obviously, but the bill cannot deal with this. Other legislation do provide for that, and this mainly the Children's Act. And uh, in paragraph 73C, uh, they ask for increase of the class of offences and penalties that may be imposed. And they recommend that it must be a class C offence. Uh, it's currently a class D offence. And the class D offence is uh, punishable with two years imprisonment and a fine, obviously. The class C offense is substantially higher. And um, it's our submission that we don't need to increase the penalty in this respect. It will not act as a deterrent. And uh, we can actually just leave it as it is. Uh, in 73D, there's a referral that uh, 61B may contradict clause 32A um, to the fact that um, 61B allows a child when um, there is a provision of an adult person to assist in the cultivation of cannabis plants, whilst clause 32A actually prohibits that. And um, our submission is that. Uh, there's no need for that. Even in South Africa, if you look at um, uh, legal legislation, you will see that uh, they do allow for moderate use of liquor under the control and supervision of adult. And um, it deals here with mainly the cultivation of cannabis plants. And uh, there's no real harm when adults look and oversee the activities of um, a child insofar as it assists in the cultivation of cannabis plants. Clause 74, uh, it is proposed that there must be various additional clauses to be inserted in clause 6, and that is mainly to create an exemption. This one uh, mainly regulates to medicinal cannabis. And uh, it is uh, more or less suggested that um, a parent and guardian uh, can only um, supply or give cannabis to a child 
if there is the certified medical practitioner that authorized that. And uh, the second one further also deal with uh, certain pre-requirements where Dr. Duke prescribed um, cannabis. Um, and our submission is the bill cannot deal with this aspect. Um, it must be dealt with in terms of the Medicines Act. And um, so far as it relates to traditional medicine, um, I did refer yesterday to the applicable legislation and uh, that traditional medicines act must deal with this aspect. The bill will not deal with it. They do refer to uh, other countries. Um, again, we in cultural or religious practices, we will consider that um, in the revision of the act. But um, I cannot um, at this stage guarantee as far as it relates to medicine that it will be allowed in terms of the bill. Since uh, there's a reason why the Medicines Act is there and uh, we can't, the bill cannot override the Medicines Act. Um, paragraph 7.5 and 7.6 uh, deals mainly with aspects that is relevant to a possible religious or cultural exemption. I'm not going to deal with this in detail, just to say that uh, we're going to consider this at a later stage. Uh, clause 7.7 uh, again deals with um, a religious and a possible cultural exemption. And um, 6.5 uh, deals with the use of cannabis as a medicine. And I did explain previously that uh, the bill cannot deal with this the Medicines Act and the Traditional Health Practitioners Act is the appropriate legislation to deal with this aspect. Um, some of uh, the people, uh, or rather, uh, some of the Rastafarian uh, comments that we did receive to indicate that uh, there must be some kind of criminalization, even in respect of uh, sacramental and religious use of cannabis. But uh, I will not discuss this, and it should be dealt with when we consider a possible legal exemption on the ground of uh, religion uh, or culture. Uh, 7.9 uh, from the South African Medical Association, and they do refer uh, to the foreign physician, uh, but mostly in a medicinal context. And uh, they do indicate, amongst others, that um, other countries have a concern about the recreational use of cannabis and also um, the effect of uh, children that has not yet been born and um, the effects thereof on a person. I think this was to a large extent already discussed previously. Um, and I did indicate that uh, clauses three, four, five, and six, and especially clause six aims to protect children but we can most probably not extend it to unborn children, and that 
such measures uh, may uh, probably more adequately be addressed through public education uh, and in respect of the use of cannabis for uh, pregnant women. Um, okay. Uh, Honourable Sarge, you notice uh, it's okay. discussed in paragraph okay. 8, Mr. Robertson, can you hear me? Uh, page 63 of the comment. Mr. Robertson? Mr. Robertson? Honourable, relates to clause 6, uh, 7. Mr. Robertson? You provide uh, for clause 8. Okay. I see Mr. Robertson being muted. I, I don't. Um, I just wanted to comment a bit on concerns about adolescence, and it's an issue which I will address as well um, at a later stage, but I do think we need to look very carefully at this, and particularly when reference is made to other legislation, I think we need to have a far more comprehensive look at this. I appreciate the input at this stage, but it is deeply concerning about the impact of cannabis use when adolescents. And I think this is an issue which I'd like to raise again. But I would like Mr. Robertson to particularly the offences involved involving a child, 6.1. I'd like at a later stage feedback on the same offence that we have in the Child Justice Act, where a person makes use of a child to commit an offence. I would like to know if there have been any prosecutions in using that act at all, because it's a very related issue. And I'm referring to the Child Justice Act provision. So Chair, this is for later consideration, this isn't for now, but I do want to just note and flag my deep concerns about what the professors indicated right at the beginning, when it comes to the usage of cannabis and the impact that it has on adolescents. And we might have to look at increasing the age or more broader consultation. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Roberts, any preliminary views? I know that uh, Honorable Swart has indicated that he will still pursue the matter further, but any preliminary views on what he has raised? Um, Mr. Chibison, regarding the possible prosecutions that were instituted um, in respect of a similar provision in the Child Justice Act, I will need to go back to um, National Prosecuting Authority. Um, but my submission is that it's very necessary to provide for such an offence. It actually do place at least some obligation on um, a parent or guardian to ensure that uh, a child is protected. So it's part of the structure of protection mechanisms that the bill aims to implement. Regarding the possible increase of age, um, it may be considered, it was proposed previously in terms of the uh, alcohol legislation. Um, and I did yesterday indicate that some countries, um, mostly in America, uh, set a minimum age of 21 years. And it's probably related to the effect on brain. There's an under 25 use cannabis. But then on the other hand, uh, various other countries 
still stick to the age of 18 years. I will discuss this further in more detail and probably uh, when we reconsider the act, and I will provide for certain additional options in this regard. Thank you. Thank you very much. Sorry, Chair. Uh, Mr. Honorable Sarge. Can I ask Mr. Roberts also just to consult Professors Perry and Mayers um, on possible legal amendments in the, um, over this period to assist with mitigating risks with cannabis. Um, they, they put out very good arguments and you have responded to them to a certain degree, but I would like a further consultation in that regard as well as we, um, while we have a, a break, just to consider um, mitigating risks that could result in changes. Thank you, Jim. Thank you very much. Honorable New Board Chairs. Thank you, Chairperson. Good morning to everyone. While we're still there on that part, I also want to, to ask, maybe later we can get research or reading in respect of uh, pregnant women using cannabis during pregnancy, because I do know, um, you know, we have the alcohol fetal syndrome in terms of the use of alcohol during pregnancy, but I've never seen any research relating to uh, the use of cannabis uh, by pregnant women and what the effect is on the unborn baby. So maybe if there's some reading or research that we can get at a later stage, it would be great. Thank you, Honorable Newbert Strachans. Mr. Robertson? That is noted. And um, first, we will consult um, the professors. And uh, I've got articles that's available regarding uh, the effect on unborn children and cannabis, I will provide this to the committee timelessly uh, before we uh, resume with the bill. Thank you. Can I continue? Yes, please. Um, okay, I was last busy to discuss the defenses, rather the penalties relating to um, but may be imposed for certain contraventions um, of the bill. Um, and uh, the first comment is that the penalties are unacceptable high due to the fact that it's not... Um, well, okay, let me start again. Um, it's indicated that the penalties is unacceptable uh, due to the fact that the perceived arms uh, of cannabis uh, was never proved uh, in detail. I must indicate, yes, there is uh, various uh, opinions available on the internet, even some medical opinions to the effect that uh, cannabis is not per se uh, one of the extreme drugs. Uh, I did point out yesterday that nobody has died from an overdose of cannabis, but uh, it is a psychoactive substance, and like any other drug, it needs to be regulated. So regarding the 
unfairness and extremeness of the penalties, I must point out that many foreign jurisdictions do penalize first dealing in cannabis, uh, mostly with the same penalties that apply uh, to other drugs in the drug legislation. Uh, there's other countries that uh, has stepped down from this extreme standard and certain lesser penalties um, are imposed for certain cannabis offenses, among others dealing. I must also point out that in terms of the Drugs Act, dealing in cannabis um, is punishable currently with a penalty not exceeding 25 years, or a fine, or both such penalty and a fine. Um, it must be pointed out that in a bill, a Class A offence is the most serious offence that can be committed. And the bill already deduce the penalties for dealing in cannabis and even it, where you sell cannabis to a child to 15 years of imprisonment and a fine. So we did step down from the standard that was set by the Drugs Act already. So we do treat it to a lesser extent, uh, do treat it as an offence that is not or need not to be punished with the same imprisonment as is proposed in the Drugs Act. I must point out that um, although some of the penalties that may be imposed may, in the eyes of the public, be regarded as unfair, I must always remember that um, South African courts have wide discretion to impose penalties. And um, although if a person is found guilty of dealing in cannabis, let's say 10 grams of cannabis, the court will not impose a penalty of 15 years. That's obvious. The court must consider, amongst others, the quantity of cannabis involved as one of the factors that affect sentencing. Uh, my submission is that the penalties is appropriate as is provided for in the bill. Uh, in paragraph 18, it's pointed out that offenses of penalties ensure no commercialized activities, and that is correct. And in paragraph 18.3, it is referred to the fact that only criminal punishment is considered, and um, which do give rise to criminal records. Uh, and uh, other options, amongst others, decriminalization, treatment, community service, and other alternatives should be considered. Uh, I must refer currently to the Criminal Procedure Act and other legislation that deals with criminalization. They do not provide for civil penalties. Um, however, there is reform that's ongoing in this regard civil penalties may be considered. Uh, obviously, a fine is necessary in the context of uh, a crime, um, which is backed up mostly by a suspended sentence. And the court maintenance of the Criminal Procedure Act obviously impose only a fine, not coupled with um, any kind of imprisonment.
Uh, there's also other provisions in the Criminal Procedure Act, such as Section 255, that provide that the person may be referred uh, for inquiry in terms of the Prevention and Treatment of Substance Abuse Act. Similar provision has been asserted in the Domestic Violence Act that was considered by the court. That may be used if a person is referred to such an inquiry, there is no criminal record. Uh, Section 276.1e of the Criminal Procedure Act, amongst others, also provides that uh, the court may, uh, as part of punishment, refer a person uh, for drug treatment. I did, however, yesterday indicate that uh, one must distinguish between drug users, where I do acknowledge that uh, we cannot use criminalization. Uh, to rehabilitate drug addicts. Uh, but on the other hand, I also did indicate that the offenses contemplated in clauses three to six is very necessary. Firstly, to protect children, ensure that there's no illegal markets against uh, in dealing in cannabis and other objectives uh, that must be enforced in terms of the law. Um, paragraph 8.4, uh, again, I refer to the fact that drug abuse is complex. I'm not going to discuss this in detail. Uh, the response is mainly similar to the one I gave previously. Uh, and I must also indicate that there is a reform in the redrafting of some of the provisions of the Drug and Drug Trafficking Act that do deal with uh, alternative measures that can be taken in respect of small quantities of drugs. We actually do deal with the person that abuses drugs. Um, it's referred to in paragraph 8.5 by the author, again, that the penalties is unreasonable, irrational, arbitrary, harsh taking into account that it's a victimless offence and other criminals get lesser penalties and also the drug master plan that do uh, move towards rehabilitation uh, instead of criminalisation and punishment. And um, the same response is to a large extent applicable to this. Um, Mr. Robertson, just a bit. Honorable um, Sarge. Honorable Sarge, your hand is up. Uh, I suspect those are old, old hands. It's an old hand, Chair. Apologies. Okay. Okay, you can proceed, uh, uh, Mr. Robertson. Thank you, Mr. Chairperson. Um, 
there is uh, a proposal uh, in paragraph 8.6 um, that uh, we probably need to uh, revise some of the amounts of quantities of cannabis. Um, I did indicate previously that uh, this may be considered. I also referred to the legislation of other countries where there is a more stepwise increase um, of the quantities of cannabis or cannabis plants and specific offences has been prescribed in that regard. I must again point out that in terms of the South African um, sentencing dispensation, um, the court must take into account the offence society uh, and uh, rehabilitation of the offender, and uh, it may not be necessary due to the fact that even in terms of the Drug and Drug Trafficking Act, if you deal with something like uh, before the Prince Judgment, 15 grams of cannabis, you are guilty of dealing, but the penalty that the court can impose is not 25 years, but the court must impose a proportionate penalty. Um, uh, so that finishes up more or less uh, the sentencing dispensation and penalties that is prescribed. I'm going to proceed to the expungement of criminal records. That is dealt with in paragraph 9 of the discussion. And it's dealt with in paragraph yeah, Sorry, before you proceed. Sorry, before you proceed. On your sentencing regime, maybe one of the stakeholders that might need to be consulted um, is Judge Edwin Cameron. Um, if you can also during this break uh, consult with uh, Judge Cameron, I know he's got some views on um, on the issue of imprisonment for long sentences for people who are not guilty of violent crimes. So, if we can just have a discussion with him. Yes, Mr. Jefferson, it's noted, and we will consult with uh, mm -hmm. Judge Cameron. Thank you very much. Um, dealing now with expungement of criminal records, um, there is a proposal that uh, we should consider a redress mechanism, uh, which is in some instances uh, a direct result of expungement. My submission is that uh, if you look at uh, the offence in question, which we try to expunge, and that is mainly possession of cannabis. Um, the offence before the Prince judgment were in line with our international obligations, and um, it doesn't amount to a gross violation of human rights, but actually do um, give rise to a specific um, need uh, for redress. Um, and uh, I don't think we can accommodate it. In any case, the bill cannot accommodate that. It's a narrow amendment to the Drug and Drug Trafficking Act to give effect to a constitutional court judgment. Um, 
There is uh, in paragraph 19.2, um, one of the major concerns here is probably the reference uh, to a possible drafting error in, as discussed in paragraph 9.2b. And uh, it has been considered, and it's a technical amendment, and uh, we will uh, correct this. Paragraph 9.2c um, is a proposal that clause 86 must be drafted uh, to limit the powers of the Director General to revisit uh, decisions based on errors of fact only and not to give the kind of open-ended um, discretion, it's my submission, in the context of uh, Clause 8, eight uh, the powers of the Director General, in any case, just restricted to revisit illness decisions uh, and cannot uh, be interpreted to give them a broad discretion regarding the expungement of criminal records. Schindler's, um, amongst others, indicate that uh, they do support expungement. But they also warn that uh, some of the offences in the bill, if commercialization did take place in the future, uh, may need further expungement of criminal records. I did indicate yesterday that even if commercialization is considered and implemented in South Africa, that many of the offences, if not all, that is provided in the bill will still be applicable. This is a situation in foreign countries and uh, it will be detained. We saw to also support um, the expansion of criminal records as indicated in paragraph 9.4. Um, there is a suggestion in paragraph 9.5 that we must get rid of all criminal records regarding cannabis, irrespective of the fact that it relates to use and possession, and must also include dealing, uh, and that uh, period of imprisonment that has been imposed, uh, such prisoners must be released, and also that all Pending criminal proceedings for cannabis related offenses must be stopped. My response there to is no, we cannot do that. It's fine to expunge small um, quantities of cannabis uh, insofar as it relates to the use and possession of cannabis, but we cannot expunge dealing in cannabis convictions or stop um, current. Um, proceedings where dealing is involved. Uh, a very important aspect that is raised in paragraph 19.6 is that of the previous uh, reverse presumption in the Drugs Act and its predecessor. Um, and it provides that any person has a possession of more than 115 grams of cannabis. Um, so we deem to have dealt with um, such cannabis and these various convictions that followed 
on such a presumption. Uh, it's my submission that we can consider this uh, and allow punishment for dealing in this context only, but not dealing where the state has actually proved that a person did sell 500 kilograms of cannabis. So this will be considered in the revision of the bill. Um, it's also acknowledged that expungement is um, a, quite a progressive step towards reducing stigmatization and marginalization in respect of drug users. This comment is noted, made it indicate there is other reforms that are pending, uh, which may be introduced in Parliament quite soon, that use effect to, uh, amongst others, our uh, policy, how to deal with drug offenders. So that concludes uh, the discussion of expungement. Um, I see there's uh, a question. Um, thank you, Chair. In relation to expungement, um, I just need to understand. So is the process for expungement already in place? Um, you know, whether or not the Prince judgment was there or not, is there already a process for expungement in place? And then secondly, um, the process of expungement, would it wait for the passing of the bill or is it something that can be started before? And then thirdly, um, if the bill passes or according to the Prince judgment, is it a retrospective, is it a retrospective application of expungement? Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Any further comments or questions on this issue? None. Uh, over to you, uh, Mr. Robertson. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairperson. Currently, Section 271B of the Criminal Procedure Act do provide for the expansions of mm -hmm. certain criminal records of a person. Um, some of the offences included under that uh, provision uh, is amongst others where um, imprisonment and an alternative of uh, a fine has been imposed or just a fine has been imposed or certain other sentences of a non-penal uh, nature were imposed. That is in place currently in respect of all non-serious offences, we further prescribe uh, how it must be done, etc. So there is a current expansion mechanism in place. Um, regarding the provisions of the bill, um, this expansion mechanism will only take effect uh, once the bill is passed by Parliament and implemented. Uh, it's something that is provided for in addition to what is currently in the Criminal Procedure Act. 
The reason therefore is uh, amongst others uh, that you cannot uh, let a person wait 10 years to get a criminal record expunged on a recent con uh, conviction of using possession of cannabis. Um, the retrospective effect, yes, um, this will apply to previous convictions uh, retrospectively. Uh, it actually, any person who has a previous conviction, when the ball comes into operation, um, that previous conviction will be regarded as being expunged. So it has a retrospective effect. Uh, I hope I clarified that. Proceed. Um, Proceed. Thank you, Mr. Chairperson. Uh, clause 9 of the bill deals with regulations, and uh, there's a comment that uh, the regulations uh, should be quite broader, and amongst others, uh, deals with aspects regarding him, chemicals used in cultivation of cannabis at home, also prescribe THC that um, found in edibles, and um, it must also promote research and development and provide for awareness raising and education um, regarding cannabis plants. Uh, again, I must point out, and as discussed yesterday, the bill has got a very limited aim. Um, other departments mainly deal with uh, other aspects, uh, some of which is proposed here, and uh, probably must be dealt with in terms of other legislation. Um, regarding the chemicals used in cultivation of cannabis, uh, I don't think that is actually really needed. Um, in foreign jurisdictions, uh, the chemicals, uh, the chemical aspect of concern that is addressed here mainly relates to chemicals that is used um, to extract THC and make other edibles or um, to make uh, or to extract THC. Uh, again, research and development awareness raising must be promoted by other departments. Awareness raising regarding the arms of cannabis uh, is addressed in the legislation that deals with treatment and rehabilitation of drug offenders. It's got wide provisions involve all departments and it may be used for this specific purposes. Um, the last Second last part deals with the repeal and amendment of certain laws. And uh, the first aspect that uh, is dealt with here uh, relates to amendments to the National Road Traffic Act. This is the National Road Traffic Act. There's also certain uh, provisions that has been amended, amongst others, to provide for the driving under the influence of THC. And um, specific limitation is prescribed in amendments um, to the National Road Traffic Act, uh, mainly Section 65, which deals with uh, driving 
or occupying a driver's seat of a motor vehicle while a person is under the influence of alcohol or drug and specifically in terms of the amendment, also THC. Um, and the first question is, it is, unclear, it is unclear how the limit of THC uh, in the bloodstream has been established to determine intoxication. I do provide quite a scientific uh, explanation. I won't go through it in detail, but the effect is that we looked at foreign legislation, uh, how other countries deal with uh, cannabis use and uh, driving. Uh, the first is Canada, um, and in terms of the Canadian legislation, it's the blood concentration regulations that were enacted to deal with, uh, amongst others, driving under the influence of THC. Uh, there's certain blood limitations uh, that is prescribed, and that is uh, nanograms per milliliter, uh, it provides for summary conviction if the blood, if the THC in your blood exceeds two nanograms per milliliter, and it's less than five nanograms. And if it's only over five nanograms, um, it's a standalone offense, and a person can be convicted for driving under the influence. It also makes provision for uh, combinations offenses. That is where a person used THC in conjunction with alcohol and other drugs. And this combination of things set the limit at 2.5 nanograms per milliliter THC if it's um, combined with alcohol or other drug. Um, in the United States, um, it's dealt with differently. Various states did set a five nanogram threshold for THC. Uh, some of the states indicated in, on page 70 to 71, so amongst others, Colorado, Montana, and Washington. There's some states that uh, provide for uh, a limitation of two nanograms per milliliter, and Pennsylvania provides for one nanogram per milliliter. Uh, certain states provide for any drug or metabolite in a person's bloodstream, any detectable amount. Um, some states, however, do require that there must be impaired driving. Um, in terms of the current provision of the National Road Traffic Act, um, it also provides that a person will be guilty of an offence um, if he drives or is behind a motor vehicle um, while he's under the influence of a narcotic substance. Um, it's probably better to explain this in more detail to everybody. Um, if you look at um, cannabis use and consumption, um, there's some technical documents and there is research that has been done um, and it's available on the internet. Um, it refers to the fact that if a person smokes 
cannabis. Um, the THC concentration in his blood uh, will, during the use of cannabis, rise extremely high. Some instances, it was detected at above 100 nanograms per milliliter directly when a person smokes that. But then there's a period where it slopes downwards. And uh, a person that uses cannabis, if he is in some, in most instances, above five nanograms per milliliter, um, can be regarded as uh, to be under the influence of THC, since he cannot, or rather, let me say, it influences judgment as well as control over um, the driving of a motor vehicle. Um, also, the other aspect is if you eat cannabis, um, the THC in your bloodstream uh, directly after the use uh, will not rise significantly. It takes um, period of time to be absorbed in your blood and um, it then if it's uh, absorbed uh, there is some authority to the effect that uh, levels of 5 nanogram or above uh, of THC in a person's blood is detected um, I must indicate that uh, the person that smokes cannabis, uh, the fix starts quite quickly within a few minutes, and uh, the smoking effect of cannabis lasts between um, one to four hours. Um, if you consume cannabis, the effect on your body can last up to eight hours long. And in the foreign or the research that was done, do indicate that insofar as it relates to THC in the blood, if a person is a boss, is above five nanograms, um, he will be under the influence and cannot control his actions adequately. Um, and the question is also asked then how uh, will a person be tested at a roadblock? Um, and I did respond, among others, to the position in Canada, where oral uh, flu drug screeners is used. But uh, it's also necessary to indicate that there's various other mechanisms that is used to determine whether a person drives under the influence of alcohol or drug. That's amongst others, um, that a person has red eyes, muscle tremors, um, fluid speech, and impairment of body control. So that is indicating uh, indicators that do um, supply some information that a person may have consumed drugs. Um, but yes, if we move to the uh, criminalization of driving under the influence of THC, uh, additional training and probably additional um, 
equipment needs to be provided uh, to the law enforcement agencies. Uh, in paragraph 111c, uh, there's reference made to some foreign jurisdictions that uh, specify um, a zero uh, legal limit. I did indicate that uh, this may be considered, uh, but on the other hand, one must take into account that uh, a person that's under five nanograms per milliliter, in some instances, not under the influence and can adequately, to an extent, control um, his actions. Uh, the use of cannabis in medicine is probably going to uh, skyrocket, and uh, some people may use medicine uh, containing THC. And if this is zero percent um, limit, such a person uh, will fall within the web of the amendments to uh, the National Road Traffic Act. Um, The, in paragraph 11.2, uh, reference is made to the fact that uh, this cannabis do affect uh, the functioning and judgment of a person, uh, and it may lead to motor vehicle accidents. Uh, and it's also pointed out that uh, there's a need for equipment and additional training to deal with this aspect. If South Africa is going to consider commercialization of cannabis, obviously um, the use of cannabis will substantially increase. Um, and uh, it needs to be strictly controlled and enforced. Uh, and yes, there must be available funds uh, for training and equipment to deal with driving under the influence of uh, THC. In paragraph 11.3, it's referred to the fact that um, the proposed amendments have no scientific basis. It did refer to uh, other countries which do provide uh, for a similar limitation as those proposed in the amendments to the national Road Traffic Act, and I believe they did consider uh, experts in that regard. I did try to discuss very shortly the effect of cannabis and what some experts uh, remarked relating to flat um, THC content and driving under the influence of THC. Uh, I'm not going to go through this longer discussion and what it do with 11.4 and references then made to the fact that uh, the National Road Traffic Act did try to promote the zero blood alcohol limit. Uh, I don't think that has been passed or further promoted. Um, but uh, in addition to that, um, 
aspect that is quite relevant uh, in the context of the amendments of to the National Road Traffic Act is mainly where a person uses cannabis in conjunction with alcohol. Uh, it has, if both drugs, or let's call alcohol and THC is used together, it really seriously impaired a person's function. And uh, there is legal limits in the amendments to the National Road Traffic Act to cater for drugs used in conjunction with, amongst others, alcohol and also other drugs, but other drugs need to be prescribed. Um, and it's my submission that uh, the provisions or the amendments to the National Road Traffic Act is in line with that of foreign legislation. Uh, in paragraph 11.6, uh, objection is raised to the fact that breathalyzer tests for cannabis uh, is not required to date. Um, and I must point out, the bill does not provide for breathalyzer tests in respect of cannabis, but it's usually where there is um, the, uh, alcohol involved. The breathalyzer test in section 6511 deals with the testing of alcohol. THC must be detected and uh, through other measures and the laboratory uh, testing is required to determine the precise amount in the person's blood. So that ends the comments and the department's responses there to thank you, Mr. Chairperson. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Robertson. Any comments, members? Uh, Dr. Nivold Strachans? Thank you, Chairperson. If you don't mind, I have three questions with regard to something that was discussed yesterday. Is it okay if I have three questions? Okay, proceed. Thank you very much. Mr. Roberts, uh, I just wanted to understand where and why did it come up in terms of the measurements? Um, yesterday, you spoke about, there was something about um, the plant size, 15 centimeters high and 15 centimeters wide. Um, now, that's half a ruler size, right? So it's quite small. I've never seen a cannabis plant, so I, I don't know. But from pictures that are sh were shown during public hearings, you know, they can be quite big. Now, I'm just trying to understand where in the bill comes with the measurement of 15 centimeters by 15 centimeters, or is it just for private use at home? And that is why it is such, a, you know, a size like that. Uh, you know, how do you, how do you keep a plant that size? Then I'm also trying to understand if the bill, uh, you know, if I can't grow it at home, I have no space, but maybe another person, um, or I get it from another person. 
it's for private use, yes, but now I'm traveling with it while I go to and, and, and fetch it from the person who is giving it to me. It's for private use, but now there's roadblock and um, they find me with cannabis in my possession. Now, because I can't grow it at home for private use, um, I need to go pick it up somewhere, but now I'm traveling with it and that is a problem. Now, the strength of the THC, I see in South Africa, we have to keep it at 0 0.2 um, in terms of the strength. But during the public hearings, they were saying that the climate in South Africa is not, you know, with the sun and, and the weather changes, it's impossible to keep it at 0 0.2. So how, um, how and why do we compare it to um, foreign you know, areas where the, the climate is different. And why do we keep it at 0 0.2? So that's my question. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Is that all, Honorable Trachans? Yes, Chair. That's all. Thank you very much, Honorable Swart. No, thank you, Chair. And I really appreciate the Department's very lengthy response, Mr. Roberts's very lengthy response. However, as indicated previously, we have very serious concerns about the possible abuse and the possible unintended consequences of widespread recreational usage of cannabis. We understand the religious side of the issue, and we will definitely consider a possible the religious exemption that will be looked into. But I just want to add to what I indicated earlier and the concern that we've previously expressed about adolescence, the impact on adolescence, and we appreciate the fact that you will cons um, consult with the two professors, but I would, Chair, I understand this is a very narrow bill, but it has very broad implications for other departments and other legislation. We already had those inputs from other departments, so I would like Mr. Robertson to, over this period, and obviously, Chair, the committee needs to discuss this, but I don't think it's sufficient. And whilst I appreciate from a legal perspective, Mr. Robertson is correct, but just to say the Substance Abuse Act will deal with the possible broader implications of substance abuse. We've already got submissions before us indicating the broad aspect of substance abuse and the impact on the health committee, the impact on the health department, that they are already severely constrained. And so when we pass in legislation, it must be in the common good. We can't pass legislation that could result in greater harm to society. And so particularly when it comes to the adverse impact of the abuse of cannabis. So Chair, I want us to, when we, and maybe Mr. Robertson can think about this, to consult with other departments. I think, as we've done in the past, should it be necessary for us to consider amending other pieces of legislation, we might have to do that as well. But we are sitting with a very narrow bill here in terms of a constitutional court ruling that has, Yes, I understand the impact or the, the, the privacy argument, but it has a very broad impact on society in general. And as my colleague, Honorable Nibadruchen, pointed out, 
it's not good enough to just say the alcohol legislation provides for this. We already know alcohol fetal distress. So we need to have a broader understanding of the impact of this regulation. Yes, it's regulating, but the broader impact on society to ensure that we are exercising our mandate as parliament, which is to improve the quality of life of South Africans. We need to legislate for the common good within the constraints of the constitutional court ruling. I don't think at this stage that we sufficiently have enough information about the broader impacts and that we are approaching it very narrowly. And I think we need to consider the social impact, the other impacts that are, is covered by other pieces of legislation, but they are already severely under-resourced. How are we going to deal with that, Chair? And I think that is going to be part of our broader deliberations early next year. But I would like Mr. Robertson to consider a chair subject to your ruling, of course, how to consult with those other departments and other um, entities that are impacted by other pieces of legislation. I also join Ms. Nibbert-Druchen's concerns about the 0.2% when it comes to hemp, which is very low THC, and we know in South Africa that our conditions do not necessarily um, support that. We already see that the uh, agricultural department has issued permits where it is making mention of 0.2% in terms of the Plant Act. Uh, so there are a number of pieces of legislation that impact on this. So when we consider this again, I think whilst we appreciate Mr. Roberts's work, it's very narrow and we would need to broadly um, consider all these aspects as the legislators. The department comes and gives us their impact and their input, and we appreciate that. But at the end of the day, we as parliamentarians have to legislate for the common good and not necessarily legislate for the common harm of society. So we need to be very mindful of unintended consequences. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Robertson. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairperson. Uh, first, let's deal with the 0.2% THC. Uh, the 0.2% THC firstly relates um, to hemp. Um, and uh, the Honorable Swart is correct. I think the current uh, regulatory measures that's used to cultivate hemp uh, do prescribe 0.2%. In terms of the bill, if one look at the definition of hemp in clause 1 1, uh, the bill itself does not specify a minimum concentration of the THC. It actually uses the demand of others and other legislation to determine that amount. I did indicate yesterday with reference to most other countries um, who have hemp legislation in place that uh, but not all countries um, found themselves bound by the 0.2% or 0.3% THC content um, for industrial hemp. 
Some countries even go as far as describe up to a 1% THC content. Um, regarding um, the remark um, of THC of 0.2%, that must also be considered then in relation to um, cannabis edibles and the concern I did discuss yesterday. We uh, currently, the definition of cannabis plant just make reference to any product that contains THC. And I did indicate that uh, we probably need to amend uh, that part of the definition to at least specify a minimum amount of THC in such products. And I did refer amendments to the Medicines Act in Schedule 6, where um, it excludes from the schedule of uh, the Medicines Act um, products that contain less than 0.2%. So obviously, it's my submission, if we want to amend the edibles or products containing THC, insofar as it relates to the definition of cannabis, that we can use that uh, limit um, as prescribed in Schedule 6 of the Medicines Act. I must indicate, uh, ordinary cannabis uh, that is used for recreational purposes um, usually contains something like between 5% to 20% THC that uh, is available um, for consumption or recreational use. And uh, that is the strength of the drug in cannabis that cause the effect. We do not intend to regulate that, um, but uh, that's regulated in terms of the law, amongst others, mainly through measures that uh, limit the amount of cannabis you may possess. But I must admit, yes, there is uh, a probability that some people may possess more potent cannabis and others less potent cannabis. But I can find no authority in any other country that specifically deals with this aspect. It's merely the amount of cannabis you possess, and that is the limit of the regulation. Um, regarding the sizes to which I referred to yesterday, um, in terms of the bill, um, the various definitions, and uh, I must refer firstly to that of a seedling, which is uh, regarded as uh, cannabis cultivation material. Uh, seedling is prescribed as a cannabis plant smaller than 15 centimeters. If it exceeds 15 centimeters, but it's not flowering, it is regarded as an immature cannabis plant. And um, if it's flowering, it is regarded as a mature cannabis plant. And that also is very relevant to the various provisions uh, in the bill. In clause 2-3, uh, adult people may exchange um, amongst others, cannabis plant cultivation material amongst each other. 
And they also may exchange a prescribed quantity of cannabis plants. Uh, and in relation to the free exchange of cannabis plant cultivation material, there's no limit on the exchange of seedlings. So if the seedling under 15 centimeters may be exchanged, no problem. There's even a limit on cannabis plants that uh, may be exchanged. And the cannabis plant, if it's over uh, 15 centimeters, not flowering, there's a certain limitation on that. And uh, there's also a limitation on uh, the exchange of flowering cannabis plants. It also relates to your cultivation offenses where that distinction is necessary due to the fact that it also limits the fact and penalizes the contravention where you, amongst others, uh, distribute seedlings or cannabis cultivation material. Um, an immature cannabis plant and obviously a mature cannabis plant. So that is the reason why there is a, a size limitation. I did indicate previously that we can probably get uh, remove um, the reference to this 15 centimeter width and height uh, in relation to an um, immature cannabis plant. Um, but if we do that also in relation to the seedling, it will kind of uh, blend everything together and there will be no distinction in that regard. Um, I hope I answered everything. And with regard to what was said uh, in the committee amongst uh, others by the Honorable Mr. Swart, we will during this period amongst others, consult with uh, the professors. Uh, there was consultation with other departments, but I think uh, the concern that was raised is, do we not uh, overburden uh, obligations in terms of other legislation that's imposed on other departments to deal with the arms associated with cannabis? Um, that may be so, um, but that will if we consult to that, it will specifically be discussed. But I must also be pointed out that the Department of Justice hasn't got, um, firstly, the people to deal with harm reduction measures in respect of um, legislation um, relating to drugs and drug abuse. It is also always other department that must deal with that. We are responsible for administration of the Drug and Drug Trafficking Act. And um, our main role is criminalization and enforcement thereof through the courts. Um, or if we impose obligations, other departments must, um, within their mandate, take that um, effects that may result from such legislation within the mandate and introduce appropriate measures. But it will be discussed with other departments and also other entities. Thank you. Thank you very much uh, to Mr. Roberts. Um, okay, Woman, you're different. 
Um, just, just, with, just with regard to the road, the transporting um, of the, just uh, there was no response on that. Um, sorry, Mr. Jefferson, if I may respond now. Um, uh, if one exchange cannabis uh, between adults, um, obviously you can provide it to other person. There is however restrictions on that in terms of uh, uh, cultivation material that may be transported. Um, it amongst others provide uh, that uh, if you transport um, cultivation material, must be compliance with certain aspects uh, prescribed in the Act. Um, and uh, it deals, amongst others, or rather criminalize um, obvious trafficking quantities and the quantities that may be exceeded. If you are in possession of uh, cannabis plant cultivation material, uh, which may be exchanged without uh, remuneration as contemplated in clause uh, 2.3. Uh, it's my submission that you can transport it. Um, it's not criminalized in the bill. So you can take it from one place to another place and give it to other adult person. Um, in that narrow context, I hope I address um, the moving for exchange of cannabis and cannabis plant material. Uh, one can also consider uh, clause four, uh, which do provide amongst others for uh, the transport um, of cannabis in a, in a road, in a vehicle. I think it's dealt with more or less in um, clause, the uh, latter parts, it's, uh, clause four, six, um, there must be certain standards that must be complied with if you transport raw cannabis. Uh, in most other countries, uh, it requires that if you do transport cannabis, it must be in a sealed container in your boot, in your boot of your car uh, or sealed in a bag if you take it from one place to another. Um, so it is possible and the bill do accommodate for the transport of cannabis from one place to another. Uh, for the ambit uh, as proposed uh, by clause 3 2, namely exchange between adults. Thank you. Thank you very much. I hope Honorable Jochams are now answered. Madam, thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you very much, Honorable Swart. Thank you, Chair. Oh, okay. Um, as we said uh, yesterday, uh, we are encouraging the department to interact with all the relevant stakeholders, including the, the Rastafarian community um, in now drafting the legislation. Um, we have also um, identified other stakeholders, but they're not limited to those stakeholders. Uh, professors that were mentioned today, uh, Judge uh, Alvin Cameron, and you can identify other stakeholders. Uh, we will be able, or we will be in a position to really deal with this bill 
and after the state of the nation. So that would be around late February, March, uh, that we might start uh, concluding the bill. And so we are giving you this time, uh, January, February, or even early March, to do the consultation, consultations and uh, a drafting of a bill that can be considered by the portfolio committee. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Robertson, and to your team. Thank you, Mr. Jefferson. The extended time period is appreciated. At least it's not for eight hours. <laughs> no, we will do it. Thank you. Yes, no, we've given you enough time so that you can also consult with the stakeholders because one of the issues that we flagged yesterday was the issue of exemptions for religious purposes, which we thought that it would be important that you engage with the Rastafarian communities around it, but there are also other issues, and we have uh, identified certain stakeholders, but they are not limited to those stakeholders. You will look at the you look at the bill in totality and identify stakeholders that would want to further uh, engage. We'll do that. Thank you, Mr. Chairperson. Thank you very much. Can we have? Uh, yes, others are talking about traditional leaders, but uh, we are giving you a scope to look at all of those uh, stakeholders. Uh, can we have a 15 minute break? And then we will start with the BRRR for commercial services thereafter, which means we will come back at quarter past 11. Thank you, Chair. Thank you.
operational services. A budgetary review and recommendation report of the Portfolio Committee on Justice and Correctional Services, dated 24 November 2021, draft report. Are there any corrections on page one? I think this report was circulated and is taken as read. Are there any corrections on page one? Can you scroll down? Down. Page two. Scroll down. Page three. Scroll down. Scroll down. Uh, scroll down. Mm -hmm. Page four. Is your hand up? Can you hear me now, Chen? Yes, we can. Okay, can, can we go, go back to the to the diagram or, or the draft the graph of uh, the audit outcomes? Yes. Yes, on the on the 2020-2021, on the part of the areas of qualification. Uh, remember, unqualified, you may have unqualified without any findings, or you may have unqualified with findings. Should you not, should you not uh, write that there in that part? Is that is an unqualified with matters of uh, matters of emphasis? Is that not correct? Uh... Yes, it is true. I think there were two issues. It's uh, under underspending under and uh, expenditure. Yes, that was not investigated. Yes. So can we correct it accordingly? Yes, we'll include it. Thank you very much, Mr. Matawati. Thank you very much, Honorable Mola.
I can see today that uh, you have is a big tree and children. Yeah, it's it's Honorable speaking. Honorable Horn. Yeah, if we are to do that, then I think we must just change the the heading there, Chair, because it it talks to areas of qualification. Uh, which is then technically not correct because it is an unqualified audit. It's just matters of emphasis. Thank you. So what would you suggest with that, Honorable? Well, what? maybe areas of qualification dash, um, uh, what, what, what did we say? Matters of emphasis, yeah. Matters of emphasis, okay. Yeah. Thank, you. Thank you very much, Honorable Horn. So can you go down? Page four. Hold on. Page four. Page five. Go down. Page five, page six. Let's go down. Go down, page six, page seven. Go down, go down. Page seven, page eight. Go down. Mm -hmm. Scroll down. Page nine, page ten. Scroll down. 
Um, thank you, Chair. Page nine. Um, at the end, in eight point two point four. Um, in brackets, at the end of the line, it says searching. Um, why is that there? Yes. Searching the word searching in brackets. Thank you very much, Mr. Matabata. Yeah. Uh, the department, when they reported that uh, some of the uh, contributory factors to the escapes were that officials did not comply with security policies and procedures. So specifically, searching of offenders uh, in correctional facilities. So th th that's what they've put as well. So hence, I have put it that it was about uh, not searching offenders. Now, Mr. Matabat, somebody who will read this document 10 years from now, how would he make sense of uh, this searching in brackets? Uh, I think we can fix that, Chairperson. Sorry about that. Uh, Honorable Nebot Trahans, are you satisfied? Um, yes, and it is true that you say 10 years later they're not going to understand what uh, this means. So, um, yes, just to fix that so that it makes sense. I agree with that. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. Uh, page 10. Can you scroll down? Scroll down. Well done. Thank you. Page ten, page eleven. Scroll down. Page 11, page 12, page 13, scroll down. Page 13, page 14, page 
page 14. Scroll down. Page 14, page 15. Page fifteen, page sixteen. Scroll down. Page sixteen, page seventeen. Scroll down. Page seventeen, scroll down. Page eighteen. Scroll down. Scroll down. Page eighteen, page nineteen. Nineteen, twenty, twenty, scroll down. Scroll down. Twenty, twenty one, scroll down, Twenty one, 
scroll down. Twenty two, twenty three. Smell Scroll down. Mm -hmm. twenty-six. Can I have a mover for the adoption of the report is corrected? Okay, I, Honorable Woman Nuhu Duhan moves for adoption. Honorable Nuhu Duhan moves. Any second? Uh, second. Honorable, seconds. Any objections? It's Werner on speaking. It's no objection, just the reservation of our position. A reservation of the Democratic Alliance. The report is adopted with corrections. Can we flight the next one? So the DA is on standby. Thank mm. <laughs> you. You know what on standby meaning the wasting type. <laughs> uh, can we focus on the work at hand, members? Uh, the budgetary review and recommendation report of the Portfolio Committee on Justice and Correctional Services, dated 24 November 2021. The Portfolio Committee on Justice and Correctional Services, having considered the financial and non-financial performance information, of the Office of the Chief Justice and Judicial Administration for the financial year ending 31 March 2020 and first and second quarter of 2021-2022, the report as follows. The report will be taken as read. The report was circulated on time. Any corrections on page one? 
and page two. On page three, and page four, on page five. And page six. And page seven. Page eight and page nine, and page ten. On page eleven. On page twelve. On page thirteen. Mm -hmm. On page fourteen. On page fifteen, can I have a mover for the adoption of the report? Um, Honorable Newhart Rufin moves for adoption, Chair. Honorable Newhart Rufin moves in the second. Mm, Chair, I Honorable second. Honorable Musebe, Chair, seconds. Any objection? Uh, just to not disappoint the Honorable Jainke, I reserve the position of the DA. The DA reserves its position. Uh, the report is adopted. Can we now go to the minutes? Draft minutes of the Portfolio Committee on Justice and Correctional Services, dated 17, 7 September, sorry, 7 September 2021, on the virtual platform. 
any corrections on page one? On page two. On page three. On page four, is there a move for the adoption of the minutes? Okay, I move um, for the adoption of the minutes. Honorable moves. Any second? Honorable New Hoekhoven, seconds. Honorable New Hoekhoven, seconds. Let's first check, let's go to the minutes, whether the people who moved and seconded were part of the meeting. Can we go back to the minutes? Yes, they were. Thank you very much. Can you go to the, what, what, are they, were there any objections to the adoption of the minutes? No, Chair. No objection, thank you very much. Um, the DA is not reserved in this position in the minutes. I'm watching them. I'm just watching. <laughs> <laughs> in our view, the, 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 um, ever-present long speeches of the Honorable Jainke is not properly reflected in the minutes, but we'll <laughs> keep silent about that for now. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the second set of minutes. Uh, draft minutes of the Portfolio Committee on Justice and Correctional Services, 8 September 2021, on the visual platform. Any corrections on page one? On page two? On page three. On page four. Is there a move for the adoption of the minutes? I move, Chair. Honorable Nola moves. Any second? Honorable Nola moves. Any objections? 
No objections. The minutes are, uh, are adopted. Um, minutes of the Portfolio Committee on Justice and Correctional Services, date 9 September 2021, uh, on a virtual platform. Uh, any corrections on page one? On page two. On page three. H three. Mm -hmm. You scroll down. Page three. Any mover for the adoption of the minutes? Yeah. I move for the adoption yeah. of the minutes. So who's moving? Uh, okay, Honorable Mayor Druchen, uh, Honorable Chairperson, Honorable Mayor Druchen. Honorable Mayor Druchen moves, and in any second? I second, Chair. Honorable <laughs> Mayor Druchen seconds, any objections? No objections, the minister are agreed to. So the other set of minutes. Draft minutes of the Portfolio Committee on Justice and Correctional Services, date 9 November 2021, which uh, platform, Zoom. Any corrections on page one? Just uh, let's go to page one. Let's go up. Um, so yeah, on the apologies, uh, it's reflected here that Honorable Yago apologized. Um, my understanding is that she now serves on the Portfolio Committee of Trade and Industry. Did he, did, did he forward an apology? No, Chair. Um, chair the, our understanding is that she says a standing apology because she's serving in her main committee. So until she, there's an interest, she will attend this side. Okay. No, that's, that's fine. Okay, page two. Page three, page four, 
Page three. Any move for the adoption of the minutes? Honorable Mayor Drucken moves for the adoption, Chair. Honorable Newport Drucken's most any second. Second, Chair. Honorable Nola wants to. Honorable Nola seconds. Mm -hmm. But it would be better not to have uh, I think Honorable Hans, seconds. Yeah, I think let's keep Yeah, Honorable Hans, seconds. The minutes, uh, any objections? Honorable Nola, maybe we want to object. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> okay, now maybe you want to object that the tree on that day was not there. Uh, the minutes are agreed to. Uh, the next set of minutes. 12 November, uh, minutes of the Portfolio Committee on Justice and Correctional Services, 12 November 2021. Uh, on a virtual platform, Zoom, any corrections on page one? Page one, page two. Page two, page three. And then move on for the adoption of the minutes. And moves for the adoption chair. Honorable what reference moves for the adoption of the minutes in a second? Honorable seconds. Any objections? No objections. Minutes are agreed to. We have another set of minutes. Um, minutes of the Portfolio Committee on Justice and Correctional Services, date 17th November 2021, uh, on a Zoom virtual platform. These were the interviews. Uh, any corrections on page one? Page two. Page three. Page four. Okay, person. Uh, Honourable uh, Mayor Drachen, page, page three. Yes, uh, 3.2. Mr. Guala is supposed to be with an M. Um, it's Mr. M. Guala, not F. Guala. Yes, in fact, yes. Thank you very much. Page two, page three. Uh, page three. Is there a mover for the adoption of the minutes? Honorable Honorable Neil Drachen moves to the adoption chair. Honorable Neil Drachen moves in the second. 
second chair. Honorable Verna Horn seconds. Any objections? No objections. Minutes are agreed to. Uh, draft minutes of the Portfolio Committee on Justice and Correctional Services, 18 November 2021. Consideration and adoption of the draft reports on the failing of vacancies at the Information Regulator. Um, any corrections on page one? Page two. Uh, no. Is there a move for the adoption of the minutes? Okay. I move for the adoption. Any second? Honorable Mayor Drachen seconds the adoption check. Honorable Neighbor Drachen seconds. Any objections? No objections, the minutes are agreed to. Minutes of the Portfolio Committee on Justice and Correctional Services, 19 November. Briefing by the Special Investigative Unit, Legal Aid South Africa, and Information Regulator on 2020-2021 annual report and quarterly performance reports 2021-2022. Any corrections on page one? Page two. Page three. Page three. Page four. There, my apologies. Vulnerable Horn. There at the ICU, if we can just go back there, I think it, at the beginning, the ICU is called the department. Um, which technically is not correct, of course. Okay. Under 2.1. Yes, yes, thank you. Thank you very much. So we're on page three. Page four. Any mover for the adoption of the minutes is corrected. No move, Jay. Honorable Horn moves. Any second? A second, Chair. Honorable Jayla seconds. Any objections? I. 
record chair with the emphasis that it's not ICU issue, Mr. Why is that? Yeah, Mr. Hall was saying ICU chair. I was trying to check. <laughs> okay. So the minutes are uh, adopted with corrections. Uh, great too. Thank you very much. Um, is that the last set of minutes? Yes, Chair. Uh, we only have minutes from Mr. Dean to Dean Spending. Uh, can we be in a position to adopt those minutes uh, on Friday? We can do that, Chair. Thank you very much. Uh, that brings us to, to the end of our meeting for today. Um, members, I'm informed that on the day of the 10th, uh, we will have a sitting in the morning. Now I'm proposing that uh, the committee secretariat organize um, a transport, a bus that will immediately take us um, from Parliament uh, to Mr. Self's house on the 10th, and then uh, and then they organize transport for various members who will be going to their respective uh, villages or homes, except those members who would have um, organized their own transport but it would be good to have to have one transport, even if you have a car, and just so that we can be able to bond also. It has been long since we last met physically. Uh, just to bond as we would be going to, to Mr. Self's house. Is that in order? Sure. Um, are you sure you want to bring uh, Honorable Breitenbach and Comrade Chanchi on the same transport? <laughs> <laughs> I think if anything happens, uh, we have you and Honorable Swart will just pray for them. Um, Mr. Chairman, speak. <laughs> so, um, uh, Honorable Maseko Jele, the only thing she could do would be to pray because for the rest, she's, you know, she's small. Um, and uh, and uh, Honorable Janki can sit next to me, it's fine. Um, if there's any difficulty arranging transport, Mr. Chair, I can arrange a, uh, a quantum bus or a small minibus uh, with uh, the Honorable Bagram to take everybody. So if, if there's a second option, if it's difficult to arrange transport. Yes, and uh, and then, uh, Mr. Chair, may I, may I just say that um, we're extremely grateful, really. Uh, I cannot express how grateful we are that the committee is prepared to do this thing. And Mr. Self will appreciate it so very much. Thank you. Well, Mr. Self is one of us. Uh, Definitely. We're team justice. We're team justice. Yes. So that's how we, work. We, we are one family. We are, we are one family. We, in good and in bad times, we are one family. 
Um, so we really want to 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 visit him, and we we're even suggesting that uh, the team that would be coming to Gauteng uh, for the oversight, uh, if we can also visit uh, the home of uh, a mum Fukin, um, because uh, members might not be aware that uh, within a month or so after her departure, her mother also died. And so when we are this side, then we can also go and just uh, pay her a visit. That would be wonderful. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Yes, because uh, you will soon realize, members, that uh, we spend most of our time at work. So work becomes an extension of our family. So when I see you, I see my brothers and sisters, and I think that is that that the same applies to you. So we have to ensure that we really enjoy, we work hard and play hard, but we must always be there for each other. So let's try and remember that, um, but one of the things that, I would also like to bring to the attention of the members is that uh, our program is going to change a bit. Um, we are working with the chair of the subcommittee. Uh, from next week, we will have one week for the committee and then one week for, for the subcommittee. Secondly, it would be important also especially uh, the researchers and the committee secretariat, uh, that uh, before we adjourn, we have a meeting where we would, uh, uh, you would have already drafted a draft program for the oversight so that those key areas and areas to be visited, the areas, the thematic areas that would be guiding our oversight visit can be discussed and be agreed to. By, by all members, because uh, we want um, a, an oversight visit that is going to be a committee oversight visit where every member would feel that he or she has made a contribution, his or his or her area of um, interest is broadly covered because we might have one or two of such uh, oversight visits, uh, justice does not get um, uh, uh, to do oversight visits. So it will be an intense visit, uh, oversight visit, and we would like to ensure that we agree on the program as, as the party so that uh, if we are, because li- the likelihood is that we, we, will, we will split into two groups but uh, we must know that even the group that will be going to the other side of the country, uh, uh, we are doing the same thing, more or less, we are covering the same issues that we will be able to draft one report uh, to the House. Uh, Is that in order, members? Yes, Honorable Chair. Thank you very much. Uh, The meeting is adjourned. Thank you, Shane. Thank you.
Thank you, Chair. Bye, everyone.